Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox, where my guests and I discuss the tools they use every day to manage life, trauma, and everything. It may not be applicable right now, but it's another tool for your toolbox. And I hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to Tools for the Toolbox. I am Chance Burrells, aka Big Bird, uh, another awesome name I picked up from Operation Pegasus Jump. Um, I have another outstanding episode for you all today. We're going all the way back to episode one, numero uno, with my first guest, Mr. Chris Williams. But before we dive right into that, we didn't actually discuss your history very much in the first episode. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody else now, which is... Who are you, and what is your military background? All right. Um, I'll try not to uh, swing around too much for you here. Um, <laughs> hi, my name's Chris Williams, or Christopher Williams. Some of you may know me as uh, Willie from my days in the Navy. I spent 13 years in the Royal Canadian Navy. I was a naval electronic sensor operator, and uh, long and the short of it, uh, if it flies, it dies, and I used to blow shit up um, at high speed. So think of, like, your artillery guys, but, like, I used missiles. Okay. Those are, <laughs> those are fun. I, like, I yeah. like how you guys say high speed, but in the Navy, like, nothing is high speed. Well, you know what? If it's coming in at you doing 2,000 knots, it gets really high speed all of a sudden. Uh, no, I could have on that for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that is correct. It, it's kind of odd, and it is a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, is it an opposing idea? Uh, because, like, Army guys pull out, they hop on a Herc, and then they go to their uh, R&R site, and then they go home. Like, it's a two-day, three-day thing. Uh, the Navy, it was two months. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, w with the Navy, uh, what was that? I voluntarily released in 2014 as a master seaman. Uh, that's the equivalent of uh, master corporal. I like to think better. <laughs> Not even Because course. I had to do the soldier stuff, and then I had to know my own. I mean... Come Just on. throwing it out there. Yeah, that's like saying, you know, the artillery is basically infantry. No, they're not. Well, yeah, they, they carry a gun, sure. But it was qualified to lead section attacks at the end of the day. So were clerks. Hey. <laughs> that doesn't make them infantry. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just saying, anybody with the title seaman, definitely not going to be armed. <laughs> well, on the other hand... You know what? I, I didn't get to chief petty officer, petty officer. So yeah, uh, that, no. that's on me. Um, I, I, I love razzing the uh, the navy boy, the navy guys, because like I don't know at what point they thought it was a good idea to call someone a master seaman. Well, master like that's that's it's old school, right? Like it's old terminology, but yeah. Well, and that that now that being said, they have recently changed it. Now they are master sailors. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're now in a more inclusive environment and that 100%. Uh, it was a poll that they put out to the CF and the veteran community saying, here's our choices, where we want to go, what would you like? Um, and that's what they decided on. 
I, however, did retire as a master seaman. The, the, I can't even hear it without giggling. And I think <laughs> that's it's a better choice to go to master sailor because I can say that without giggling immediately. But any time I say hey, master seaman. Funny though, um, and I 100% agree because, like, you imagine <laughs> I joined basic training in 2001 and I was like, yeah, I'm joining the military. And it was two weeks after 9-11 happened. So mm. it uh, was a very interesting time to be joining the military as an 18 year old kid. Um, and, uh, you know, 9-11 happened. I'm joining the military. I'm probably going to Afghanistan. Never mind that Navy part. Um, and then when you show up, you know, you got all these, well, I, I was actually kind of lucky. There was two master seamen on my uh, basic training course, and they were very quick to point out that I was not Private Williams. I was Ordinary Seaman Williams, and mm. you will get used to it. Um, so uh, when I went to the fleet, it, it was also a very interesting time because everybody's an ordinary seaman leading seaman master seaman so on and you, you spent just spent that to like 10 12 weeks getting all that stuff crammed into you the army and i had a lot of infantry on my basic training course so they catered to that doing the we're going to be hired on you now because you're going to afghanistan uh yeah you're in the navy but guess what you can benefit from this too. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how it went until I actually hit the fleet. And geez, I think I was there like within three months, they put me on a boat and I did my first workup. And that was all to go over to the Adriatic and uh, do the Op Apollo. And yeah. uh, I had to had to sign a waiver and stuff because I wasn't qualified in anything. <laughs> it was, uh, if I'm honest, it was actually a very scary time. Yeah. Uh, especially like, you know, basic training. Welcome to the fleet. Guess what? We're going to go out and support Op Apollo. You're coming. Here's the waiver. Please sign this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you have no idea what's happening. No, I don't I know. Yeah. I'm on the phone with my uh, parents and I'm like doing the what is this? And, you know, my mother's being a mother and doing that. No, you're not. <laughs> and uh, my father, he's uh, actually a vehicle tech uh, retired and he was doing that. Yeah, cool. And <laughs> it never actually ended up happening that way uh, because I had to do training yeah. and took priority. But uh, yeah. Well, that's not bad. So you got out in 14. Yes. Right. And what joined, have you been doing? Yeah, joined 01 and left uh, 2014. Dang. Um, okay. So you just like basically lived through Afghanistan, like the that entire deployment. Whole, yes, yes. And because uh, I am who I am, uh, I started off as a naval electronic technician. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, I was 18 and less interested in school and more interested in other stuff. Uh, so I did two years of that before I remustered to Naval Electronic Sensor Operator, NESOP uh, for short. Um, so as a Naval Gunner, I had to go from the uh, Naval Engineering School in Halifax out to Squimalt and join the Operations School. And uh, 
there they threw me into a, a pat platoon being the wonderful space that it is um they weren't ready for me to start course so they put me um <laughs> on port security and uh, for those that don't know what port security is it's um kind of like guard duty just there's a harbor involved and then there's the base gate involved so i had to go up through and uh I had to do all my, it was a hand-to-hand combat training, which we just mm. called empty hand control. Yep. So I got to battle it out with the red man. Uh, and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. It was simple, right? Yeah. yeah and, fun, man. Uh, Anytime you get to start, like, throwing your body at somebody else, good times. Uh, absolutely. It was, <laughs> it was my first... Um, experience with it at that level um like i did karate when i was a kid and stuff but man, i don't know that that never yeah. really seemed to give any kind of dividends at all um <laughs> <laughs> oh, kata, no one's hit me in the face um but then i got into that and that was like literally one of the first things they're showing is like here's a choke here's whatever and that's that was my introduction to uh jujitsu because the navy in their program they integrated jujitsu with some other striking um martial arts just to kind of here's a rapid fire quick and dirty what you need to know here's how you choke somebody here's how you don't get choked and here's what happens when somebody hits you in the face Get hit in the face, please. Um, <laughs> right? So th- that was kind of neat. And then there was uh, pressure points and tactics and so on, just builds off of that. But uh, when I later on went down uh, into the Naval Boarding Party with the uh, teams, um, it turns out they took all of that and then they go, more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I got to go run through the course again, and it was a similar style, just more. And with the, the boarding party teams, it's a lot of rappelling and uh, how to, you know, how to board a vessel because boarding team, it's in the name. Um, so a lot of it is uh, here's how we're going to do it. Here's dissidents on board. Here's how we're going to take over, secure a vessel. Um, and the reality, I guess, is that doesn't really happen all the time um and canada was never in a position to have a boarding party that could do an an opposed boarding so you know all this training um never got to use it (laughs) yeah Yeah. unfortunately that's all you can do right like sometimes the, the the canadian military is not the most proficient in in the use of their tactics right we have lots of training and we have lots of cool stuff but oh yeah no, we, just, I, we don't know how to use it you know uh, one of my favorite things highlights of my career was boarding party and it was really uh, a small slice of the 13 years mm-hmm. um you know uh, it's just one of the i just really enjoyed like uh we got to try out static line jumps from a helicopter. Those are, um, yeah, that'd be cool. Let, let's see how that works. Um, the boarding party uh, leadership was in constant uh, communication with the RCMP ERT mm-hmm. and uh, the Hill there, which ATF just, uh, you know, here's what we want to do. How do we uh, hone those capabilities and go forward? So 
there were days in the kill house with simunition and, you know, transitioning from sidearm to main armament and back and forth and then dealing with those people in a mm -hmm. ship situation. So like if you can picture like a kill house you're used to, well, they, they modeled ours off of a, uh, uh, a ship so like all the hallways are smaller and spaces are smaller and the ceilings are smaller <laughs> right and it's like so it's essentially uh the way it was explained to us was uh urban combat situation but in a naval environment and what, what that would entail and it's very neat and uh gives you an appreciation for that 12 foot rule mm-hmm because there's like no no moving room you, you you only have three feet so you stack up and you got your guys behind you and you're got cut, cutting your pies and you're, you're coming around the corner of a bulkhead and all of a sudden the instructor's there doing the hello sunshine and he's popping off nine mils at you and then he runs at you with a knife yeah so while you're you know whole crap pulling back <laughs> he's coming in doing the you're dead you're dead you're dead you're dead yeah. he'll just walk down the line and do that okay how can we do this better right and then suck back and reload is it is it not the 21 foot rule uh you are correct yeah i think it was 21 anyway but yeah, yeah no i just i remember it's been i, I watched a tv show at one point they were all like the 21 foot rule and i was like what the hell is that so I, yeah, I actually looked it up and I was like, yeah, make yeah. if anybody doesn't know what the 21 foot rule is, it is, uh, if someone is, is within 21 feet, you, uh, they can get to you before you can draw a weapon and fire at them. Yeah. Use uh, force is paramount there. Yeah. I've seen so. some interesting things about it though. Like on if some, if you have the room to move, obviously this is the, the key mm -hmm. thing, right? Is that if someone is running at you with a knife, the best thing you can do is either move laterally or or actually drop to the ground and use your feet uh so you like brace out with your feet and then that gives you time to actually draw and fire that is actually one of the things we were taught so oh, perfect there you go 100 yeah, yeah well it's just it's one of those things everything in the naval environment in that kind of instance yeah like it's so odd right because it, in the matter of uh the years like i got trained on basically any weapon with the exception of the 50 cal um, that the C, uh, the Navy had, um, because I was using the the nine mil sidearm, the was it P226, mm -hmm. and then we had uh, the nine millimeter um, MP5, and then there was the shot, uh, the tactical Brunelli shotgun, and then from there it was like the C7, the C6, the C8. Um, and then I went into the bigger toys, which were like the 57 millimeter, the 76 millimeter, mm -hmm. uh, the Sea Sparrow missiles, the uh, SM2MR, which is a standard uh, missile. Um, yeah. And then going back, like, you know, there's chaff rockets and so on and so forth. Um, so you get to play with everything except for the cool one, the 50. <laughs> Yeah, the 50 was saved for um, the bosons um, oh, yeah. and the bosons. A lot of infantry guys ended up boson, um, which is always interesting, but they did all the upper deck work and so on. Uh, we used to call them deck apes. 
Um, <laughs> one bit. Bows and one a banana. Um, <laughs> you can cut that. That's a little derogatory. Um, but that was the, the reality of it. Um, to that end, though, I will say they had the C4 mm-hmm. uh, training. They had the 50 cal training, which apparently the idea was they would close those guys up and there'd be a missile inbound, like throw those guys on it (laughs) with a 50 cal, which, um, no. (laughs) You know what? If you're going to go down, I'd I'd go down shooting that 50 men. (laughs) That'd be, that'd be me. It's uh, interesting. Um, Ships are actually designed and built to withstand missile strikes. Okay. Um, And whether or not they could, uh, like, no one stuck around to find out. Yeah. Um, but uh, I did see the HMCS Huron here on the West Coast, because I'm currently in Comox, um, back in 2006. They stripped it, and they brought it out, and they used it for firing practice. Um, so they brought in the Americans, and I believe probably the Australians too, and they just – all the units would get in line and they just like, we're going to try our main armament, use it for target practice. Yep. Bang, bang, bang. It, this is a destroyer um, class vessel mm-hmm. and uh, took the, the gunfire, no problem. Um, then they started with the missiles, took a couple missiles, no problem. Um, they, they ended up having to use the harpoon. Uh, that, that's another one that I used to fire. Um, the harpoon, it took two direct hits and, uh, a harpoon is considered an anti-ship missile. So it's like, mm. this is the whole point. And it still took two hits, but I don't know, maybe it's because it was designed and built in the seventies. We'll go with that. So maybe the steel plate they were using was significantly more. Just thick. a little bit thicker. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, a little bit. It, yeah, we'll just go with that. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so you You've been out since 14. What, do you yes. been, what have you been doing since then? Since 2014, I've decided to do everything. Everything, yes, of course. Everything. I've done all the things. That That is honestly... <laughs> anything that comes up or came up uh, that I could make a living at, I decided that that's what I was going to do. Um, so th- this is a variety of things that I, I ended up doing. And a lot of it was necessity because uh, I wasn't always the greatest at everything or I decided to pick a job that wasn't sustainable for me. Um, hindsight, right? It's a wonderful <laughs> yeah. thing. So to that end, uh, I decided I was going to go back and revisit electrical because I had a real desire for sustainability uh, on a personal end. Uh, I wanted to have all the fancy solar, wind generation, that kind of deal. So mm-hmm. uh, you'll notice a little bit of a theme going through. Um, so I put as many resumes out as I could and I didn't get anything. Uh, I had to pop on a plane, go to Edmonton, which is how me and you met. Mm-hmm. Um, and look for a job. I ended up going down to NISCU, knocking on doors with a resume, doing the 13 years in the service. I got nothing outside of that, but I'd like to be an electrician. 
please hire me. Good start. Um, and honestly, the second door I knocked on hired me. So I spent three years there and I went up through, became an electrician, got my fourth years and then moved on to uh, health and safety. Um, HSE, mostly because that was a uh, financial decision. It was one of those I can make more and be less broken doing that because yeah. it turns out when you're um, an industrial electrician, uh, you work really hard and you do a minimum 10 hour days. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit physical. Just Yeah, and industrial, so everything is big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I spent a couple of years up in uh, Northern Alberta doing rig pads and stuff like that. And then moved into HSC and, uh, yep. then 2016 happened and, uh, the company I was working for went from 5,000 people down to 500, I believe. Um, yeah, it was significant. Um, and I, I was working there as an HSC, not a long time, but uh, when did I get let go? I think that was 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a good go. Yeah. <laughs> but then, so, so you were, you got out, became an electrician, then you went yeah. to health and safety. Yeah. And then, and then where'd you go from there? Well, then I needed to pivot. Um, so oil fields down, where do I go? Um, I ended up working as a closest thing to it as a machinist, mm -hmm. um, working on oil field with an oil field service company. Uh, they liked me for my electrical experience and they had me working on motors that actually go down and sample oil and um, run pumps and this and that for uh, the oil field. Yeah. Uh, that lasted a whole eight, nine months before General Electric uh, bought them out and they cleaned house. And I was let go because I was still a temporary hire. So then so, it became, all right, well, what can I do? And I'm good with my hands. So <laughs> I decided to start doing uh, small time renovations. And uh, I had a truck, I had the tools from owning houses over the years. And I just did uh, odd jobs, handyman stuff. Uh, you need somebody to swap out a faucet, this, that, and the other thing. That eventually uh, quickly turned into a painting contracting company, which is around the time you met me. Mm -hmm. And I ran that for, geez, two, three years. Okay. And eventually I had to pick or choose, and I, I wasn't making enough money at it is what it was. I wasn't fast enough because the competition had 10 guys where I was – me and whatever four guys I could scrounge up. Yeah. Um, it turns out um, when you're offering uh, guys jobs and positions, there's a good chance that they will not show up. And there's a good chance that they are not what they say they are. Yeah. So there's a bit of it's it when they when you hear that old, you know, it, it's hard to find good work it, or sorry, good, good helpers. Help. Yeah, um, that, that is accurate. And anybody who's in the construction business could probably vouch for that. Yeah. So in that time, uh, I decided to start uh, Mjolnir Initiative. 
which uh, allowed me to be a stay-at-home dad. And I designed shirts and this and that, uh, sold them. Mm -hmm. And my whole stick, if you will, at the time was I wanted to do something that was Canadian veteran orientated because I felt we were lacking the, the hardcore cool t-shirts um, mm -hmm. and the designs on them. And I thought that I could do it. And I, at the time I didn't see anybody else doing it. So I was like, well, heck let's go. Um, but as soon as you open up an online business selling t-shirts, you quickly find out everybody that is doing it. And at that time, um, corporal for life, uh, Nick Strausser there, mm -hmm. um, that's what he was doing. Um, and I had no idea. I thought he was a meme page. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it turns out if you talk to Nick, he'll clearly do that. Nope, that he was selling t-shirts before he was doing memes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, over the years, uh, I got to meet uh, Bushwookie there, Dave Ward, outstanding mm -hmm. guy. Uh, Corey there, uh, Mad Hatter. Um, who else? Uh, John Archambault. Uh, Grant, what's Grant's last name? Ellsworth. Ellsworth, yes, yes, yes sorry. Yeah. Um, so, and the, all of us actually worked with you for the Canadian Walk for Veteran over the years. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, you get to meet other people on the peripheral that are just doing amazing stuff like uh, Seb. And then you got Sean and then there's uh, Tim Turner, who apparently lives down the road from me. Um yeah, just like it was so weird because like here I am, I'm just like let let's design a shirt, let's do something cool because I think Canada deserves it and I think it would be awesome and maybe this is a way I can make a living. And I went through and I'm doing that and uh, yeah, it, all these guys are also making t-shirts and stuff. So I decided to pivot again uh, at that point and I was like, I don't want to compete against these guys because honestly, I. I believed in what they were doing and I see what they're doing and they're doing great. Yeah. And, uh, uh, for me, I felt t-shirts was kind of boring. Um, you drop t-shirt design, you put it on a shirt, you sell the shirt and that's kind of the end of it. Yep. Um, like the, there is a little bit of the, you go to the trade shows or whatever, but I was strictly online. Most of the trade shows that uh, you're going to do that with, um, well, to be honest with you, they're in Ontario and I was in Alberta. So that, that just, just wasn't going to work for me. Um, so I went with leather goods. Yep. Um, because I can, at the time, I could make a pretty nice wallet just because, again, I, I bought something and it was made in China and it's gone in two years. And I was like, oh, that's garbage. Let's see if we can figure this out. And I'd make it. Um, and I've also done the same with carpentry and metalwork. Just, you know, just throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm like that um, super calm ADHD guy. Mm. Right? Like mm -hmm. everybody's like, wow, you're so calm and this and that. And it's like, that's that's just because I've learned to internalize. Because I can guarantee you, I, I have like too much going on. Yeah. Um, I know the feeling. Pardon me? I know the feeling. Well, and uh, it's interesting. Um, I came across this lady at the commissioner shack, actually, she's retired, um, medical and I did 35 years. Um, 
What was her Barbara was her name. She's down here in Comox uh, manning the thing. She must be in her 70s. And she looked at me and just did the, hey, like, do you have PTSD? And I did the, this is what I've been told, but not confirmed. We'll go with yeah. that. Yeah. Right? And then she's like, no, you do. And I'm looking at her. It's like, okay, like, like what the heck? And I see her, like, double CD on her uniform and stuff. And she's like, no, I was medical services up until, like, the late 90s. You, you learn a thing or two in your experience. And what she's, things, yeah. what she's picked up on is a lot of guys, if they have any kind of post-traumatic stress syndrome from the military, um, they're calm when they're calm. And I, I thought that was super neat. Um, I'd never heard that before. And it was really weird to be called out on it because that, that was just one of those, okay. Um, the reason I was called out on it, there was a bit of a kerfuffle and lots of stuff was happening and nobody knew what was going on. And here I am just doing that. All right, cool. Well, we'll just roll with it. <laughs> you need this. I need this. How can we come to the middle? Right. Yeah. And, uh, to that end, uh, if I, when I say the PTSD, one of the things from my military service was, uh, Hurricane Katrina and, the Ophestia for the Haitian earthquakes in 2010. Yeah. Um, basically, it was not a good time for me, and uh, I still carry that to this day. Um, yeah. One of my big things is burning garbage. No good. Still no good. Yeah, that's a that's a very distinct smell too. Yes, I am very aware when the forest fires are going like. I'm a, I'm a smoker, and if I'm outside and there's a forest fire in the vicinity or blowing on the wind, I very quickly do the nice. Mm -hmm. It's going to be one of those days. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which I will have to admit, Chance, after moving from Alberta, coming to Vancouver Island here, um, not as much forest fires super thankful for that. <laughs> um, well, all the wind blows inland, right? Like that's right, yeah. So, so it goes over the mountains. And, yeah, yeah. Sits in the, yeah. Sits in the prairies. Yeah, that it's, uh, it's not a fun time. And I mean, diesel is one of those things for me when you have like diesel burning. That would be, yeah. yeah. I, uh, that one's, that's a rough one for me. Just because anytime we'd get to an IED site, you'd have burning diesel, right? And it's just like, like, I just can't, I can, I can handle it like running through an engine. It's not that bad. Yeah. yeah. But just sitting there burning. But if it's just burning, yeah, that's a whole nother, but yeah, anyway, but that's, yeah, it's a challenge. So you've been out, you've done all of the things, <laughs> things. and what are you doing now? Because so you've oh. done, hold on a second. Let me see yeah, if I can run this down. Right. When, uh, the, when me and you first met, I was doing the leather stuff and, yeah. uh, which I, I still think I did fantastic at. Yeah, you did great work. Uh, but, uh, unfortunately, me being uh, the house husband, uh, the, the kids are now in school. Uh, my youngest is now done kindergarten, and it became time for, can I make a living at this? Yeah. And 
the hard and honest truth is no. Um, I could not make a one. I, I could not afford to charge prices that were less because one, I was on point with the market and two, I didn't have enough hours in the day to take that kind of hit, um, especially with small children. Cause I'm at that point now where I'm supporting my wife while she's in the service cause she mm -hmm. still serves. Um, so one of the guys reached out to me and he did the, you're super smart and you like to do this stuff. And I was like, yes. Have you heard of coding for veterans? And I had uh, when they first started, but I took a look at it and I was just doing the, honestly, <laughs> I, I, the, the, their branding and stuff just rubbed me the wrong way, especially coming from the online e-commerce space where details matter, colors matter, design matters, all this stuff. And uh, I'd been doing websites for other veterans and graphic design for other veterans and so on and so forth. Uh, and a couple of web pages too. Um, towards that end, I revisited it, I looked at it, and I came across this field called cybersecurity. That was different. Um, I'd heard of it because of uh, the cyber ops cell being opened up there a couple of years ago. Um, so D&D &D had put uh, an emphasis on it and mm -hmm. made me kind of do that, what is this? Um, looked at it real hard and I realized that it touched very strongly on my time as an ESOP doing electronic warfare and communication intercept. That makes uh, sense. NESOPs do like three or four things, but it's easier to explain to most. And I'm sure you've done this in the past. Like, you know, what's an ESOP do? Well, I do communication intercept and jamming as well as electronic warfare. What does that entail? Well, um, and then you just like watch their eyes do the glaze. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then so it just got easier because the, the main thing that everybody remembers is, oh, guns and missiles. Guns yeah. and missiles. Um, we'll go with that. And it was a very important part of the job, but it not as important as finding the enemy, detecting the enemy before they detected you, keeping them from detecting you, being able to, you know, recognize that there was a missile in the air and, or being locked up with a missile system. Yeah. Uh, I've been there once. Um, that's not a fun time. Um, off the coast of Algeria, 2006, we got locked up with an Exocet missile system. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exosets are like that threat that we always um, trained against. So yeah. when you actually see see one on your display and you're doing the, hey, that is that the thing? Yeah, dude, that's that. No, that's not the thing. That's got to be garbage. And then like you, possibly bring in, be. You, know, you bring in the PO and the PO goes. Oh. Calm. Go tell the officer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. um, you get that shoot that straight up the chain of command. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it goes right to the ops room officer who he goes right to the CO. Um, and at that time, it was uh, it was a NATO thing that we were doing. So it was actually um, who was that? It was uh, Gardam, Gardam, Captain Gardam. So he was a four ringer. 
Um, and then there was a Commodore that he shared quarters with. So, yeah, <laughs> a big okay. rap going around. Yeah, <laughs> uh, anyways, tangent. Yeah. Um, but I, I looked into this coding for veteran. I looked into the cyber side of things, cybersecurity in particular, and I noticed a lot of overlap with electronic warfare and the communication mm-hmm. stuff. Um, just, um, just super odd. I don't know if you've had it since you've been out. When you look at a civvy trade and you're doing the, that's like what I did, but what I did was kind of different. I don't know. Yeah. You're an engineer. So blasting. like that's all like you, you think about like mind blasting or, uh, doing road systems or doing, um, you know, pipelines, stuff like that. There's lots of blasting involved in there. I know. But, yeah. No, I see when I think a combat engineer, I think carpenter. I'm, yeah. That's not, that's not a combat engineer. That that's okay. a, <laughs> that see, is a, uh, construction see. engineer. That is yeah, yeah. different thing. Same cap badge, different thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah Navy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I know exactly what you mean. Cause we did the, it was basically the same thing when I got out and people would be like, Oh, what'd you do in the army? And I'm like, I was combat engineer. And they're like, what is that? And I'm like, well, we, Deny the enemy um, access. Frig, I just forgot the entire creed, just like that, just gone. No, but uh, mobility, counter mobility, and survivability. And people go, uh, I'm like, I blow stuff up and I build things. Right. And electronic warfare is those exact same principles, right? It's like maximizing your capability and denying the enemy the same. Yeah. But we did it in the electronic spectrum. So, think like radio waves and radar waves and all that, that good stuff, satellites even. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, it's exactly the same thing, but like you, you try to explain that to someone. Um, yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, ne- I never liked, I never liked dealing with anything RF uh, because any of the hazards that we had to deal with that were RF were like, you'd strip down to basically nothing. And like, anything can give off an RF signal. And I was like, yeah. So you got to take all your shit off and then you got to yeah. approach this thing. And then you got to look at it and be like, yeah, Brad has that's, precautions. Yeah. That's the explosive I thought it was. And then you got to go back and you got to get your C4 and then you got to prime it. No, blah, 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 blah. there's a whole bunch of stuff, <laughs> but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. The, uh, it, it is a serious challenge now. So you've been doing coding now for a while or like, are you sorry, cybersecurity, I should say, not coding? Yeah, so I went and I applied to coding for veterans, which any veteran can do. Um, if you got more than, uh, how does that work? Three years in, and you're not on any kind of uh, VAC compensation manual life thing, um, you can actually apply for the uh, education fund. So what, it's the education benefit. It's so because it's I had, six years, six yeah, years. Yeah, I believe it's six, and then it's again at twelve over yeah. twelve. Yes, yeah, so you get forty grand first after six years. You get twelve, eighty grand after twelve years. And I had yeah. thirteen in, so there you go. Boom. So there we go. I figured out the funding um, with the help of coding for veterans. They're fairly savvy on all that stuff. Um, there's an aptitude test involved again, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, on this side of it totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so I went through, I sky, uh, they said I scored exceptionally well on their aptitude test, which uh, is there to weed out guys uh, when it comes to coding and stuff like that. Cause it's very math and logic uh, driven. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it? I did that last November. I was accepted, had funding established by the end of December, started course the 5th of January. And I've been like hard at it ever since. And I'm not a rocket scientist. Um, I went cybersecurity stream because I looked at, they offer a software engineering stream, which is a lot of programming and coding. And that's not me necessarily. Like I can get by, but where I excelled at was where the overlap is cyber. And so what I did is I went network engineer, cyber with a bit of coding because that's how the program's designed. So that makes sense. Yeah. And that's where I'm at now. That's the, so you've done a couple of things since you've gotten out, <laughs> just one or two. Um, mm-hmm. how, how was your, let's say overall, how did your transition go? Would you say? My transition went really well. Good. I think a lot of that comes down to me having a plan because if you Mm -hmm. don't have a plan, plan to fail, I believe I mentioned that in uh, our first one. Mm -hmm. And honestly, when you do come across those um, hurdles, whether it's dealing with others because you're not always going to have the nice, fun people to deal with, um, it's understanding. Yeah, it's really like, standing back, understanding that it's probably your perspective and how to be best deal with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say that having the online business, that's super important because not always would I have the happiest of uh, customers. And at that point, it's one of those, all right, why? How can I make this better? And you know, what's the best solution to the problem. And that's why if anybody came at me with a refund or whatever they wanted, um, yeah, sure, here you go. Mm -hmm. I don't even argue. Um, Just because it's not worth my time to have an unsatisfied customer. Yeah. And it pays dividends to make sure that even if they, for whatever reason, weren't happy with me or whatever I did, that it left on the positive foot, right? Always leaving on the positive foot. Um, So I do a little bit of coaching myself these days of guys who are in the e-commerce space. And it's one of the the biggest things that I can take away from any situation is kind of get tactical on it and look at it and do the, how can we turn this loss into a win? Mm -hmm. Sometimes a loss is loss and that's fine, but how can you make the best of it, right? And if you're in a position where you're doing uh, sales and services, um, you really have to dial that in and then take that step back, get that perspective, and then like do the, okay, things aren't going well. And one of the things that me and you wanted to talk about was grounding, mm-hmm. because grounding is something that I do probably every day. And it's super instrumental in how you deal with people and approach your problems. If you can take that breath, look at it and go, okay, 
how are we going to make this a win? Losses are losses, but yeah. how, how can I make it the best? And sometimes the best scenario is, you know, giving somebody back their money or fixing whatever needs fixing and so on. Mm -hmm. So for those that don't know, could you explain your process when you're talking about grounding, like step by, like what, what would be the situation that you would go, oh crap, like I need, I need to ground myself and then. Right. So I came across and me, I imagine it might've even changed by now. So what I know is grounding may not even be what's commonly referred to it. Um, for me, uh, it was first brought to my attention when we were going to Haiti, actually. Um, they brought on psychologists and stuff and they did that. You're going to see a lot of messed up stuff. Um, we're not really sure of the state of the country, but last time we checked, it wasn't good. So one of the things they suggested was the five by five one. Mm -hmm. Um, so one of the th those things is when you feel yourself becoming overwhelmed in whatever capacity you, they suggest you ground yourself by taking away your, um, I guess, sensory inputs. So you close your eyes, you take a breath, get a hold of yourself, and then you just concentrate on five sounds, five sights, five touches, and work your way up through there. Hmm. I kind of do it a very quick and dirty now, um, just because if I feel myself getting overwhelmed for whatever case or for whatever situation, then I just kind of take that breath. All right. Recognize the situation for whatever it is. Like if I'm feeling a little panicked because of forest fires in the area, mm -hmm. that's a good one for me. Um, what can I, what can I do? Well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to remove myself. So I'll hop in the car, I'll hop in the house and then just ground myself. Mm -hmm. so. That's a very important skill to be able to have to rec hey, first off to be able to recognize when you're agitated. That's yes. the big yeah. first step, right? <laughs> you really have to understand what actually happens. I remember I had, uh, the Fort McMurray uh, wildlife fires were happening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm in this dusty, dusty construction site because it was like end of May, June. I'm the lead, or I was the lead HSE, and then they brought in a second HSE. So we split the, the construction site down the middle type deal. And I was responsible, I think, if memory serves me correct, there was 105 electricians on site that mm -hmm. I was essentially responsible for. I hear Fort McMurray's on fire. They're evacuating and I'm doing the great. So I have this nice trigger where I'm in this super hot, sandy place, similar to Haiti for me. Mm -hmm. um, and there's nothing but smoke in the air. And I'm sure as you recall, it went on for a while. So it elevated myself that I was just like a ball of tense. I don't know what, man. Yeah. Like, I just was not functional um, to the point that it, I hate to say it, but I wasn't doing my job 
to the best of my ability. Yeah. Um, just because I had all this stuff happening in my head and my head was just kind of breaking. Um, so when it was all done and you know, we evacuated, no problem. I actually had the action plan, got it all ready, organized. Everybody left site. I was the last one off site. We locked up and we're done. And, uh, the next thing I did was like that Monday, I went down to Veteran Affairs and I did the, what the hell? <laughs> Something's going on up here and I need to speak to somebody. Um, and to Veteran Affairs uh, benefit, they put me into contact with the OSI clinic and they did a triage on me and then went through and turns out that I do suffer from a general anxiety disorder and maybe a major depression disorder that's been there for a number of years just comes and goes because that's yep. what that does. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that was very neat. <laughs> so, uh, because of that situation, how it was highlighted and then, uh, having lost my job after that, um, which put additional stressors in there. Um, I became very aware of me and when I'm, feeling overwhelmed yeah. and to be honest with you it's usually around the springtime and i figure that that's because of the forest fires could be probably the heat yeah. and the <clears throat> the lack of uh moisture in the air or maybe the because you're out on a coast could be the more oyster more moisture in the air higher humidity yeah levels. um i haven't found it as bad being in comox for some reason okay. i don't know <laughs> Yeah, it's, I don't, I don't it's, understand. But um, anyways, triggers are hard, man. Triggers are hard. This is like they when, are. when when they kick in. There's <laughs> I, I went for many years where I would be really jacked up, and I have no idea what was wrong. And I like literally people would be like, "What the fuck's going on with you?" And be like, "I don't fucking know, man. Just leave me alone." Like I, I would want space, right? Just give me fucking yeah. space. And I remember not being able to do anything about it. I just have to like wait for it to pass. And I, that would be days sometimes that would be weeks sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. my wife eventually, um, she came up to me and was like, you know, I asked her one day, I was like, have I been in a bad mood lately? <laughs> she was like, yes, mm -hmm. yes, you have. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you asked the question. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, she gave me an honest enough answer to be like, no, it's been like four, five, six days. And then I was like, so I try and think back and be like, what the fuck happened five or six days ago? And I'd be like, oh, well, I got cut off by this dude and I got really fucking angry and this whatever it's happened, right? And then you go, oh, that's where it was. And so I had to like backtrack it for a long, long time up until the point where now when I start to get agitated, it's like, it's, I know, I'm like, oh, I'm starting to get, nope, I need to get out of here. And off I'll go, right? While I'm under control. Um, whereas before, it would be full-blown, like, straight-up PTSD um, days where I would be agitated to the point that I was wandering around looking for um, bad guys to come running out of the street, right? I'd be walking, I wouldn't walk on the grass because... It could be mined. I, like there was, <laughs> there was a lot going on there. So uh, yeah. now, over time, <laughs> over the process, right? You have to bring yourself down to a point where you go, "Well, this isn't right," and bring yourself back, and then 
slowly it gets less and less time in between those. No, and I think you're right there. And it's been one of those things like for me understanding myself. And I, and I think that's probably a good thing for anybody is really sit down and get analytical with yourself like you did there and ask assistance from a wife or spouse, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, and just dissect that. And if we can recognize that this is not going to be a good time, then you need to understand that, all right, maybe it's not a good time for me to do this. Um, so for me recently, and, uh, yeah, we're recording, so we'll go ahead with it. Um, I had my grandmother pass away. Mm -hmm. Um, that hit hard. Um, I, I was one of those things too, though, that she was in her eighties. So it sucked. Yeah. I was close with her, but it, it was a circle of life. Yeah. Um, so I got, I went to Newfoundland cause that's where I'm originally from and visited with family and I got to see everybody and this was good, but knowing that this wouldn't necessarily be the greatest of times. I finished up where I was on my course because it's self-paced. And I put the current class on hold because I just finished one. And I'm not going to start another one because I just figured to like, yeah, that's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a wise decision on my end. And I notified uh, the program director and whatnot that, hey, this is what's up. Don't expect to hear from me. Uh, you know, you got a little bit of accountability, right? Mm -hmm. um, so then afterwards, uh, I came back and I started getting in the swing of things and I opened up my books again. And uh, I've been away from course now for like a month. And then uh, I get a phone call from my brother telling me that my mother had passed away. Um, and that was one of those, okay we're going to close down the books. I'm not going to do anything. Uh, I currently uh, freelance uh, for graphic design for other veterans and stuff mm -hmm. and called up a, cu a couple of them like uh, Corporal for Life. He had me working on something. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's not a good time. <laughs> I don't know if and or when I will ever be able to get to this. So we'll just call it what it is and no. Um, and he was completely understanding of that. And I, I like to think everybody was. Um, and I went and I did the funeral and we did the things. And there was one instance, uh, well, there's a couple instances where I got overwhelmed with emotions. And it became one of those things. Like previous me would have choked it back and you're not going to know that my mother just passed away. Mm -hmm. No, not going to know. Uh, just emotionally shut down and not feeling the whole disassociation thing. Um, mm -hmm. with that, right? That, that was the solid plan A. Um, but because it comes at you in waves, um, my thing was like, I take a nibble of those feelings because I didn't want to go deep diving because that's just equally not as good for me. Mm -hmm. um, so again, feel the feelings. All right. Now let's ground ourselves. Right. Where are we? 
What can I hear? What can I see? What can I feel? All right. Take that breath and let's go forward. And mm -hmm. again, because, you know, it, it had happened and uh, we had the, f I had to fly back to Newfoundland again. And then there's the funeral again and all this stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so constantly revisiting it. But I, I find that as long as I can feel the feelings and process that in my own way, then I'm fine. Yeah. And move forward right so it's yeah i think you're right it's very much a recognizing in yourself when these things happen and what is a good method of dealing with them because you do need to deal with them yeah you um, hit a couple of points there that I, I wanted to really hammer on was um <laughs> a not running from it right because <laughs> <laughs> All we want to do is be like, nope, not doing this and just shut her down, right? It's a complete avoidance. It's a complete separation. You are trying to separate your own emotions from your, from what's happening. And that's not a good plan. I mean, in, in the moment, sometimes it has to be done, right? Like when we were overseas and we would get, you know, when we lost on August 20th, we lost three engineers in one shot and it was, that was a hard day. And yeah. You just like, okay, we still got work to do, right? Like, let's get, then we got to go. Um, so there are times where that is required, but if you can process it, do so controlled, right? That's, that's the other point that you said, like you took a bit of it and worked on mm -hmm. that. And then you can, you know, you take another large chunk, but if you just go diving into the depths of your emotions, oh, you're no, going to be no, no. like, I don't think anybody like maybe there's some kind of guru out there that can do the oh no 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 let it all flow through you it's like that is not the way i function yeah because yeah. i know for myself like if i was to like just sit there and wallow in self-pity and whatnot like in the grief and dealing with like i would shut down and mm -hmm. i would be done and i don't know how long it would take me to crawl out um, yeah. and the, yeah, so self-awareness is a big part of it. And I think that's something that you learn with the grounding too. And it, it's a mini meditation in a way. And I, and I like yeah. it. It works for me and hopefully it works for others. Well, and that's the key, right? Is that yeah. it, it works for you. And that's the yeah. important part, right? Is that you, again, you have to find something that works for you. Um, the other point that I wanted to get, get across was, or that I wanted to hammer on was you said um, you talked to the other guys and you said, this isn't going to happen. That is communication and boundaries. Those two yeah. things are extremely important when dealing a with grief or PTSD or anxiety or depression or any of the things that uh, kind of affect us I, all. I, but... I think that's super important for life. Mm -hmm. um, what's the first thing to fail during any training exercise? Guarantee it's comms. Mm -hmm. Hardest thing to work out. And that's a hard thing like cross life. And we've seen real life applications where the comms go down. Life gets sketchy. Nobody knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. Things start happening that maybe necessarily shouldn't. Um, yeah, it's almost like, you know, what, what do you mean you pulled out chicken for dinner? 
we're having beef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wasn't related to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, at its simplest scale, right? It, yeah, absolutely. Communications and then boundaries. If mm -hmm. you don't have boundaries, um, stuff gets complicated real quickly. People start feeling like you're not doing enough or somebody's not pulling their own weight. Or in my case with the courses, why is the student decided to take a three month siesta? Yeah. Um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, now that being said, I have gotten back into the books and I'm cracking along at it again. It, uh, the first test or quiz hurt. Um, I, I went back and had to redo it. Uh <laughs> this, you know, the, the thing is that I think we really need to hammer on here again, as well as removal of judgment, right? There's a lot of things that we will beat ourselves up about, especially when it comes to taking time off or not helping somebody or not doing whatever, or like whatever we're, we're processing through, um, when it when it causes when it causes us to stop doing what we normally do, there's a quick habit to immediately start just beating yourself up about it. Right? Oh, this would never happen ten years ago. I you know I was a soldier. I can do whatever I want. Blah 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 blah. blah right? No. Guess what? <laughs> you have what you're dealing with. You deal with. Yeah. Um, I got good at failing uh, at a young age. Mm -hmm. I like to fail the things which led me to try the new things and some of them I succeed at and like unreasonably well. And yeah. then I'll do the, Hey, I'm a rock star. And then I go do something else. And it's like, Nope, no, no. Like, um, I started jujitsu there a while ago and, awesome. uh, my, my young children have been in jujitsu for years. Mm -hmm. Um, again, I came across it in the Navy and I, they teach us some things, but it's not just like jujitsu in its entirety. And uh, so between taking my children and seeing the positive ramifications, like, and I say ramifications because it just rams its way through all their life. Mm -hmm. The confidence that I see it instilling in them is just amazing. Um, I, I had uh, uh, my oldest boy um, who was very internal, um, very hard on, on himself. Like if I'm talking to him doing the, listen, we can't be doing this. And he goes to tears almost immediately. Um, but he went from having that negative inner dialogue with himself. And this is at like five years old where he's just feeling crummy because dad's upset and he should know better and shouldn't blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. To now he faces me looks me in the eye. Yeah, he's tearing up, but it's not controlling him. And he does a, Yeah, that makes sense, dad. All right. I'm not going to do that anymore. Great. Let's not make a habit of it and move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've seen that in my own children and I could, anyways, over the years, I was just like, yeah, this is something that I need to do because I do need to do something for myself um, beyond like the work and home life and whatever else. So we all need to get out and have our thing. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. um, and I invited my wife along too. She's on the fence, but uh, we have a really awesome uh, gym here locally. That's run by a retired Patricia. Nice. Um, 
he did, he only had three years in though, so he doesn't feel like a veteran. He's and he's still he's still a dirty Patricia, and <laughs> he did Bosnia. He did a tour okay. in Bosnia. Oh well, then, yeah. Then like he he was like, I'm not really, and I'm looking at him. It's like you did Bosnia, dude. Yeah, you're you earned it. Like don't even don't even be like that. Um, but he runs the gym here locally. And uh, he runs the tournaments for jiu-jitsu locally at all ages. He starts them out at four years old. Um, and it's just amazing to see what he does with my children and what I can, I've gotten from it and seen mm -hmm. from it. And, uh, yeah, so I, I decided to get on the mats myself. And uh, I had a 50-year-old lady, no, sorry, 58, veteran. Mm -hmm. um, clerk, tie me in a pretzel, <laughs> amazingly fast. She's been doing jujitsu for 20 years. Yep. Um, and then she looked at me and told me that I'm weak. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'm kind of doing the pardon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not used to that, but I have also been kind of sedentary with the studies and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she, she broke for the summer and did, uh, yeah. Um, so I'm gone for the summer. You need to like, um, get stronger, work out a bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing like, I'm 39. Right? <laughs> I'm doing the like, pardon. <laughs> uh, what it is is when I had her in closed guard, um, she, she is a bit big, of a bigger lady and I got really short legs. So mm -hmm. I'm stretching my, uh, groin muscles and I couldn't maintain my uh, closed guard with her for very long, which is why she's like, yeah, you, you need to get stronger. That, yeah. That's bullshit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. That's what's or, happening. Or you need to get faster at <clears throat> transitioning into a different guard. Yeah. Well, when, and God bless this lady. Um, she has two students. I'm one of them. So if we're rolling, we're rolling with her as she's doing a rolling demonstration of mm -hmm. and or instructional. And uh, it's hilarious because she sits down, she looks at you and he goes, this is a very odd sport, but don't take this the wrong way. Choke me. <laughs> <laughs> so she'll be going, like cross collar choke or something. Mm -hmm. right? It's like, uh, yeah, all right. Nah. Yeah. Not that it makes it even weirder when they're sitting there going like harder, harder. <laughs> and she does it. Yeah. She's done that. Yeah. Time. She does, uh, for whatever reason, I can't, uh, quite get the cross collar. So I, the way I have to do it, and, um, <laughs> it turns out I have a uh, rotator cuff syndrome, um, to the point that I have next to no mo mobility on my uh, right side mm -hmm. uh, in certain situations. Um, anyways, veteran affairs claim. Uh, so what I have to do is I, I go into the collar, I got to dig deep, and then I actually have to grab the gi over the shoulder mm -hmm. to bring it because I can't, for whatever reason, get the proper, yeah. So here, here, here's the tip for you. And just a quick one. So when you get the cross collar choke and you get one on here and you get one in here, even over top. Okay. It's not so much that you're trying to pull your elbows apart. Cause if you watch that actually opens the gi, you're not actually choking anybody here. So this, yeah, it's just yeah. the wrist movement. Or actually what you should be doing is bring your elbows in, pulling the wrist out and then 
squeezing downward. Yeah. So yeah, uh, there's a, there's work on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I can do it now. That was my. You know what? Get better. That's what my master was. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, so thing that guy. Well, yeah. Well, you're just. I just told you. It's like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're weak. Get strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> hey, your old lady. I uh, asked yeah, you the way she described it was. Uh, you're trying to like take my head off. I need you to like pop it off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like popping a pimple, but like you got to go the yeah, other anyway. Collar on the yeah. yeah. No, it's super neat. But so I, I've been engaging with that community a lot, Chance. Um, it's a pretty good community. And, uh, it, it's. It just pays dividends, right? And, it really does. Uh, if you if you hear me speak dividends and stuff, chance that's because I've been head deep into stocks and stuff. So. <laughs> All uh, good, brother. Um, we've been rolling for a little bit over an hour here. I can't thank you enough for being back on. It has been awesome conversation. This is uh, we got lots of tools for people to be able to pick up on. If you got any last points, anything that's uh, burning in your soul to get out to the world. I think so. And take it for what it's worth, you know, Master Seaman Williams, retired, CD. Um, just but take it for what it's worth. <clears throat> I see a lot of people who are super hard on themselves, always. Mm -hmm. I watched it with my brother uh, earlier this summer with my mom passing. Um, I watched it with my kids and my wife. I, I'm finally at this point where I just think I, I've been really bad at a lot of stuff or not the greatest I could have been. So I stop, kind of stopped caring. Um, I, I have a need to do good and I will work on this. Um, but when I watch somebody like truly shut down or get frustrated and like crying or just emotionally overwhelmed, I, I think the biggest thing that I could leave with anybody is just kind of like do that step back, suck back, reload, adapt and overcome, if you will, just to speak the military's talk. And I think we got to do a lot more of that. Um, whether it's, you know, oh crap, I'm late. So you're late. Disrespectful? Absolutely. Should you have been late? No. Can we do better? Please do. But you're just late. Really, at the yeah. end of the day, it was five minutes. Yeah. So you make the choice to either come back to it another time and or whatever, right? It doesn't matter. I guess the grand scheme of things, what does it yeah. really matter? Yeah. Um, what matters is, as you said, you know, what did we learn? Try harder and go forward. And I know uh, Sean Taylor's talked about that quite a few times in the past. Mm -hmm. And uh, usually when he puts that up, and I'm usually right behind him sending the message to you. And then, well, <laughs> I got some stuff I failed at today. You're going to love this. Um, but like, j just be kinder to ourselves, right? Like, it doesn't mean giving up. It doesn't mean not being respectful of boundaries and or whatever but like yeah honestly like yeah. just chill yeah i have a i have a great term that i use regularly now and that is grace not slack right grace give yourself grace now now what do, what do we mean by grace so grace is the ability to 
fail and learn, like you have the space, you give yourself the space to be able to try something, not do it correctly right away and learn and develop skill set. Whereas Slack is saying, fuck that noise. Yeah, you can't give up. And yeah. honestly, well, you can give up. But um, if you're going to give up, make sure it's for the right reasons. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing is that what what is truly giving up? And that is not trying. Right. Yeah. Like if you if you put the work in, you've tried it, it's you know, it's not maybe it's not for you. Okay. That, that's, yeah. No, no, Pivot, absolutely. move on. Um, that's grace, right? That's giving yourself the grace to to go through the process and, and learn from it. But Slack is the straight up no, this didn't work, I'm not doing it anymore. Done. Oh and absolutely. And I guess that's kinda my, been my motto since I got out. Yeah. Well there you go. <laughs> so, all right, we tried it. Didn't work out so well. What did we learn? All right, let's try the other thing. Moving on <laughs> to the next thing. All, All right, right brother. Uh, I got I to gotta run here. I got to let you go, but uh, it has been outstanding chatting with you. I uh, hope to chat with you again soon. Absolutely. You take care, Chance. See you, brother. That concludes another episode of The Toolbox. I really appreciate you all listening. It has been my absolute pleasure bringing you this guest. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, share, subscribe, do all that other wicked stuff. It uh, helps me keep the lights on. To all those out there putting it on the line every day, I just want to let you know that I appreciate you. Military, veterans, first responders, civil servants, you name it, keep this place running, and I really do appreciate it. So thank you. Don't forget, stay open, stay humble, stay focused, with grace, not slack. GMO.